0: Chapter Twenty-Eight of Adeline Mowbray, by Amelia Alderson Opie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pam Moscato. Chapter Twenty-Eight. Alas, day after day elapsed, and no letter came. But while Mrs. Mowbray was almost frantic with disappointment and anxiety, Mrs. Pemberton thought that she observed in Miss Woodville's countenance a look of triumphant malice, which ill accorded with the fluent expressions of sympathy and regret with which she gratified her unsuspicious relation and she determined to watch her very narrowly for she thought it strange that adeline however she might respect her mother's oath should never in the bitterness of her sorrows have unburthened her heart by imparting them to her one day when as usual the post had been anxiously expected and as usual had brought no letter from london concerning adeline and while miss woodville was taking on indifferent subjects with ill-suppressed gaiety though mrs mowbray sunk into despondence was lying on the sofa by her mrs pemberton suddenly exclaimed there is only one right way of proceeding friend mowbray thou and i must go to london and make our inquiries in person and then we shall have a great chance of succeeding as she said this she looked steadfastly at miss woodville and saw her turn very pale while her eye was hastily averted from the penetrating glance of mrs pemberton and when she heard mrs mowbray in a transport of joy declare that they had better set off that very evening unable to conceal her terror and agitation she hastily left the room mrs pemberton instantly followed her into the apartment to which she had retired and the door of which she had closed with great violence she found her walking to and fro and wringing her hands as if in agony on seeing mrs pemberton she started and sinking into a chair, she complained of being very ill and desired to be left alone. Thou art ill, and thy illness is of the worst sort. I fear replied Mrs. Pemberton, but I will stay and be thy physician. you, my physician, replied Miss Woodville with fury in her looks. you yes, I, I see that thou art afraid, lest Adeline should be restored to her paternal roof. Who told you so, officious, insolent woman, returned Miss Woodville, thine own looks. BUT ALL THIS IS VERY NATURAL IN THEE. THOU FEAREST THAT ADELINE'S FAVOR SHOULD ANNIHILATE THINE. PERHAPS I DO, CRIED MRS. WOODVILLE, A LITTLE LESS ALARMED AND CATCHING AT THIS plausible EXCUSE FOR HER UNEASINESS. FOR SHOULD I BE FORCED TO LEAVE MY COUSIN'S HOUSE, I SHALL BE REDUCED TO COMPARATIVE POVERTY AND SOLITUDE AGAIN. BUT WHY SHOULDEST THOU BE FORCED TO LEAVE IT? ART THOU NOT ADELINE'S FRIEND? Y- YES, FALTERED OUT MISS WOODVILLE. But it is uncertain whether we can find Adeline. Still, we shall be very diligent in our inquiries. Yet it is so strange that she should never have written to her mother, if alive, that perhaps-oh, I dare say she is dead, hastily interrupted Miss Woodville. Has she been dead long, thinkest thou? No, not long, not above six months, I dare say. No, hast thou any reason then for knowing that she was alive six months ago? asked mrs Pemberton, looking steadily at Miss Woodville as she spoke i lord no how should i know she replied her lip quivering and her whole frame trembling i tell thee how art thou not conscious of having intercepted letters from thy cousin to her relenting parent mrs pemberton had scarcely uttered these words when miss woodville fell back nearly insensible in her chair a proof that the accusation was only too well founded as soon as she recovered mrs pemberton said with great gentleness thou art ill ill indeed but i suspect thy illness is of the mind there is a load of guilt on it throw it off then by a full confession and be the sinner that repenteth in a few moments miss woodville conscious that her emotion had betrayed her and suspecting that mrs pemberton had by some means or other received hints of her treachery confessed that she had intercepted and destroyed letters from adeline to her mother and also owned to the great joy of mrs pemberton that adeline's last letter the letter in which she informed mrs mowbray that all the conditions were then fulfilled without which alone she had sworn never to forgive her had arrived only two months before and that it was dated from such a street and such a number in london my poor friend will be so happy said mrs pemberton and her own eyes filling with tears of joy she hastened to find mrs mowbray but what will become of me exclaimed miss woodville detaining her "'I am ruined, ruined for ever!' "'Not so,' replied Mrs. Pemberton. "'Thou art saved, saved, I trust, for ever. "'Thou hast confessed thy guilt, "'and made all the atonement now in thy power. "'Go to thine own room, "'and I will soon make known to thee "'thy relations sentiments toward thee.' So saying, she hastened to Mrs. Mowbray, whom she found giving orders with eager impatience to have post-horses sent for immediately then thou art full of expectation i conclude from the event of our journey to town said miss pemberton smiling to be sure i am replied mrs mowbray and so am i she answered for i think that i know the present abode of thine daughter mrs mowbray started her friend's countenance expressed more joy and exultation than she had ever seen on it before and almost breathless with new hope she seized her hand and conjured her to explain herself The explanation was soon given, and Mrs. Mowbray's joy, in consequence of it, unabounded. "'But what is thy will?' observed Mrs. Pemberton, "'with regard to thy guilty relation. I cannot, cannot see her again now, if ever, and she must immediately leave my house.' "'Immediately?' "'Yes, but I will settle on her a handsome allowance, for my conscience tells me that had I behaved like a mother to my child, no one could have tempted to injure her thus.' I put this unhappy woman into a state of temptation and she yielded to it but i feel only too sensibly that no one has been such an enemy to my poor adeline as i have been nor conscious of my own offences toward her dare i resent those of another i love i honour thee for what thou hast now uttered cried mrs pemberton with unusual animation i see that thou art now indeed a christian such are the breathings of a true contrite spirit And verily, she who can so easily forgive the crimes of others may hope to have her own forgiven. Mrs. Pemberton then hastened to speak hope and comfort to the mind of the penitent offender, while Mrs. Mowbray ran to meet her servant, who, to her surprise, was returning without horses, for none were to be procured. And Mrs. Mowbray saw herself obliged to delay her journey till noon the next day, when she was assured of having horses from Penrith but when after a long and restless night she arose in the morning anticipating with painful impatience the hour of her departure mrs pemberton entered her room and informed her that she had passed nearly all the night at miss woodville's bedside who had been seized with a violent delirium at one o'clock in the morning and in her ravings was continually calling on mrs mowbray and begging to see her once more I will see her directly, replied Mrs. Mowbray, without a moment's hesitation, and hastened to Miss Woodville's apartment, where she found the medical attendant whom Mrs. Pemberton had sent for just arrived. He immediately declared the disorder to be an inflammation on the brain, and left them with little or no hope of her recovery. Mrs. Mowbray, affected beyond measure at the pathetic appeals for pardon addressed to her continually by the unconscious sufferer, took her station at the bedside and hanging over her pillow watched for the slightest gleam of returning reason in order to speak the pardon so earnestly implored and while thus piously engaged the chaise that was to convey her and her friend to london and perhaps to adeline drove up to the gate art thou ready said mrs pemberton entering the room equipped for her journey at this moment the poor invalid reiterated her cries for pardon and begged mrs mowbray not to leave her without pronouncing her forgiveness mrs mowbray burst into tears and though sure that she was not even conscious of her presence she felt herself almost unable to forsake her still it was in search of her daughter that she was going nay perhaps it was to her daughter that she was hastening and as this thought occurred to her she hurried to the door of the chamber saying she should be ready in a moment but the eye of the frenzied sufferer followed her as she did so and in a tone of unspeakable agony she begged she entreated that she might not be left to die in solitude and sorrow however guilty she might have been then again she implored mrs mowbray to speak peace and pardon to her drooping soul while unable to withstand these solicitations though she knew them to be the unconscious ravings of the disorder she slowly and mournfully returned to the bedside it is late said mrs pemberton we ought ere now be on the road how can i go and leave this poor creature in such a state but then should we find my poor injured child at the end of the journey such an expectation as that thou must decide quickly replied mrs pemberton gently decide then i will go with you yet still should anna recover her senses before her death and wish to see me i should never forgive myself for being absent it might soothe the anguish of her last moments to know how freely I pardon her. No, no, after all, if pleasure awaits me, it is only delaying it a few days. And this, this unhappy girl is on her deathbed. You, you must go without me. As she said this, Mrs. Pemberton pressed her hand with affectionate eagerness, and murmured out in broken accents, I honor thy decision, and may I return with comfort to thee yet though i wish you to go cried mrs mowbray i grieve to expose you to such fatigue and trouble in your weak state of health and say no more interrupted mrs pemberton i am only doing my duty and reflect on my happiness if i am allowed to restore the lost sheep to the fold again so saying she set off on her journey and arrived in london only four days after adeline had arrived in cumberland mrs pemberton drove immediately to adeline's lodgings but received the same answer as colonel mordaunt had received namely that she was gone no one knew whither still she did not despair of finding her she like the colonel thought that a mulatto a lady just recovered from the smallpox and a child were likely to be easily traced and having written to mrs mowbray owning her disappointment but bidding her not despair she set off on her journey back and had succeeded in tracing adeline as far as an inn on the high north road when an event took place which made her further inquiries needless end of chapter twenty eight recording by pam Moscato.